there I was sitting at the top, you know, and had it all. I mean, I checked all the boxes, but was feeling completely restless and uncertain, you know, if I should keep going in this trajectory or if I should pivot and do something else, which was a very scary feeling to wake up to and and to wrestle through. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with fascinating people from all over the world, from every walk of life, who will inspire you to live with zest. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, and my mission is to bring you optimism about aging and help you make full use of the new opportunities that only come at this stage of life. To find out more about the podcast, hop on over to ZestfulAging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get fun and quirky tidbits about the show and my exploits, including when I went python hunting in Florida and my participation in the National Senior Games. And if you love the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on the show. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Stephen Litweiler. Well, some of you may have heard of a little show called HGTV. Today's guest was one of the founding members, but after 30 years of experience in corporate America and being on the top of her career, she began to wonder, what if there's more to our lives than job success? So in a huge leap of faith, she quit her executive job and went on a soul-searching journey. Today, Tracy Schubert Barrett is an entrepreneur, podcast host, speaker, author, and executive coach who helps others in their search for meaning beyond job success. She has a new book out, What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success. She shares the details of her soul-searching journey that led her to where she is today and helps readers do the same. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We're going to have fun. I know we will. We uh, talked off mic and we have a lot of uh, good juicy stuff to talk (laughs) about today. So when people hear HGTV, my experience is they get a little bit starstruck. And in fact, some of my friends, I told them, you know, we were going to interview today and, you know, their eyes got big. Oh, who, what's the name? Who's the, you know, they, some of these hosts have become like family members, I think. And I'm wondering, you know, what was your experience in the early days of, of building HGTV? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I get the same reaction and people are super curious. And one thing that, you know, people say to me often is, oh gosh, I bet it was so fun to start the company. And, and I have to remind them that we didn't on day one look like we do today. So it was just like getting any startup going. There were just a handful of us, you know, trying to pull it together. 
And there wasn't a lot of home and garden television out there programming to find. So it had to be created. And this was back in 1994. So this is pre-internet. And, you know, so you're you're trying to just find good hosts and and then you're trying to get distribution. So you're trying to get on all the cable operators so that people can actually see the network. And so in the beginning, you know, it was it was a lot of work and um, we were all excited. I feel like the team, especially, you know, the CEO founder, Ken Lowe, had such a clear vision. So we all knew what our mission was. We knew what the vision was. We were eager to go after that, excited. And it took off and became something, I think, beyond any of our wildest expectations. And, you know, an exciting ride. I learned a ton about starting a company about staying on mission. I learned about core values. I learned about how to build a great team that can be committed to a mission and, you know, had a ton of fun along the way because HGTV, you know, as it grew, we had, you know, the HGTV dream home and some great talent that we interacted with. And I was able to, to, you know, throw some big parties and negotiate some big deals. And, you know, so it was an exciting, yeah, yeah, it was an an exciting time. I'm still very connected. Um, The company has had a few evolutions and buyers. And um, so now much bigger part of Warner Brothers, like a a conglomerate now. But, um, you know, so it's no longer that teeny tiny, you know, small independent company. But, um, you know, watching it go from just an idea to a billion dollar media company was, you know, something I'll cherish forever. Mm, it sounds like what you're saying is there's some really fun parts and the parts that, you know, um, the viewers imagine that you're, you know, uh, looking at the dream homes, you're drinking the great wine, you're doing the garden, all this stuff. But there was still uh, a part of it that was just doing the 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 background work, mm. the technical work that isn't as much fun. Right. Well, it is. It's corporate America. So it's high stress. And it's also the media industry. And the media mm. industry is no joke. I mean, it's it's intense. And you're dealing with television, which is, you know, when you're you're on air, you're on air, there's no going back. And so negotiating, you know, very big deals. And and there was a lot of stress, I was traveling a ton. And um, the pressure was great. And I was, you know, probably wrestling with my own success driven overachiever, you know, imprints on me since childhood. And um, so I, you know, I had a tendency to kind of burn the candle at both ends. Uh, um, the word perfectionism comes to mm-hmm. mind. Yes, yes. Yeah, you're one, you're one, I see, <laughs> I, you're one of those, yeah. I see. Ah, I see. So um, the stress, tell me a little bit about, you know, uh, what it's like. And so there's a, obviously you're on a tight schedule. You can't say, well, we're not ready yet for our slot. Mm-hmm. What, what is the, what was the nature of the stress? I think in my role, you know, I was overseeing a lot of people. So you're dealing with the stress of just staff issues. We're a group mm-hmm. of humans, you know, that are flawed. <laughs> and, and I had a great, amazing team, but we were 
you know, spending a ton of time together and having to navigate dynamics. And, and I try to manage each person, you know, meet them where they are. So it wasn't a, a one, you know, swoop way of managing. And I enjoyed that part a lot. And the stress was really, you know, we had big budgets, we're negotiating big deals. Um, you know, when you're negotiating millions of dollars, there's just a lot of pressure around that. And, you know, it's not brain mm-hmm. surgery or anything like that. Nobody was going to die. But, you know, there's a lot of strong, you know, feelings around things and and um, people you're negotiating with, some are lovely and some aren't. Um, and then also just the pressure of the schedule, you know, so mm-hmm. when you're an executive in a company, you, you know, at least in my case, I was flying to New York a lot. We also had a headquarters in Knoxville and flying down there and then events and dinners and you know, there there was a lot of pressure. And when you're, you know, a working mom, and you have children, and you know, that all adds mm-hmm. up. And, and mm-hmm. it, you know, you can get to a point where you feel like nobody's really getting the best of you. And that sort of spread too thin, it's spread too thin. Yeah. And the, you know, I, I, you know, came up through an age where I was constantly being told women can have it all. Mm-hmm. And there I was sitting at the top, you know, and had it all. I mean, I checked all the boxes, but was feeling completely restless and uncertain, you know, if I should keep going in this trajectory or if I should pivot and do something else, which was a very scary feeling to wake up to and and to wrestle through. Hello, all you zestful listeners. I can't wait to tell you what I've been working on in between interviewing powerhouse guests. I'm putting the final touches on my new web course about how to age with courage and vitality based on science and my 30-year experience as a psychotherapist. The course is full of super practical and doable activities, and it will help you be more optimistic about aging, just like my dogs who are wrestling right now. I cover all the hot topics such as exercise, mindset, eating, relationships, and leaving a legacy. And there are bonus interviews with the lead in nutritionist at Syracuse University and an over 55 tennis player with an immune disorder who played in the national championships in Florida. But I have one problem. I'm struggling with a name. So here are a couple I've been playing with. Zestful aging, creating a healthy mind and healthy body. Or zestful aging, creating the rest of your life. So I really need your help, listeners. If you come up with the name of the course that I choose, I will give you a shout out on the podcast, as well as list you in the credits for the course. And you'll get a t-shirt with my brand new logo that's just hot off the press. So send all your great ideas for my course to me at zestfulaging at gmail.com. And I can't wait to see them. Thanks so much. I imagine having the thoughts 
of, um, you know, I don't know if this is working for me anymore, must have been so uh, odd because just as you say, you had reached the pinnacle of success, everyone is looking at you as a model you know society is saying you've done it you've checked all the boxes and then you're not feeling like you should be feeling what was that like you know we call that and you may have remembered this mm -hmm. from your training ego dystonic like mm -hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't fit and it feels uncomfortable because you think it should be different but it's not yes and that's exactly what it felt like that that why why do I feel this way? Coupled with sheer exhaustion, really, mm. you know, of just, you know, saying, I wish I could just take a big long nap. And, you know, that those two things put together, you know, just really kind of led me to this crossroads. And it was, it wasn't an overnight thing, you know, it was a, a good two years of wrestling through that. And, not really wanting to talk about it with a lot of people. Mm. And it's not until years later as an executive coach that I realized that a ton of people are going through the same thing. And so at the time, I felt very alone and mm -hmm. but also scared. I I kind of had this like, like what I call a kind of a holy discontent where you feel like it's not just I wasn't disgruntled at all. I loved my bosses. I loved the company. I loved my mm -hmm. staff. There was nothing pushing me out. Um, there was just this pull that was coming for like, what could my life be outside of this? And, and is my identity completely wrapped up in HGTV and completely wrapped up in being an executive? Is there something else? Is there something more? And can I have a bit more agency over my life so that I'm not spread so thin? And that's really what it evolved into. It evolved from this kind of where you sort of have this awakening, but you're not really sure how to articulate it or what exactly is mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And then it morphed into this, okay, could I take a break and figure this out and redesign a life for myself using my skills up to this point or, you know, so I can spend more time with my, my growing children and so that it was an evolution. It, it didn't happen overnight, and it it took time to to wrestle through. It. And I didn't have a lot of tools to to wrestle through it. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. I wrote a book that I wish I would have had when I was wrestling through all of this. Oh yes, I can see that. And you know what occurs to me is how lonely it must have felt. Um, do you look back and? and wish you would have connected with some of the other women executives at all? Or that just wasn't a possibility? That's a great question. I Because even hearing you say lonely, it that resonates with me. There was a, a bit of loneliness to it. Because even though there were a lot of women that we would talk about, you know, how we wish we could be with the kids more or how traveling was really hard. Um, you know, especially if your, your husband is, is also stretched thin or, or I, you know, is friends with a lot of single, uh, moms that, you know, geez, even harder, right? 
Mm-hmm. And and it was interesting because none of us ever really talked about what if we did something different, you know? Mm-hmm. And um and I think sort of the the pressure of of leaving something so great um coupled with would we like it? Like what could we survive outside and and it was, <laughs> you know, is the grass really greener? Mm-hmm. And you know, all of those questions and what would happen to our identity and and it, I think it felt lonely to me because if I brought it up, it was hard for people to understand because they would be like, well, you have this glamorous, amazing job. You make right. a lot of money. You have a fabulous title. You have a great staff. Like, I don't get it. Like, you there, you know, there are so many worse places you could be in your life like and that started to make me feel guilty and like I wasn't grateful for everything I had and so of course then I had to wrestle through all those emotions like am I being selfish am Mm. I foolish um you know probably feelings that more women wrestle with um because we have a tendency to just go straight to the guilt and, you know, I, I <laughs> Did felt... you ask yourself, like, what's wrong with me that I can't be happy with all of these trappings of success? Yeah. And I also, you know, I, I was the first kid in my family. I had, you know, four kids in our family th- to go to college. Um, mm. My parents were just, you know, hardworking. They didn't go to college. And so they were super excited to see this dream for me. And I... I always I I know I had this habit, you know, self-imposed or not to please through my achievement. And so the idea of leaving that achievement, I thought I would be disappointing a lot of people. And wow. and so that was very scary for me is, you know, okay, what if I just leave and let that all go. And will people be disappointed? Will we even, you know, without the income and all of that, what's that going to look like? Am I putting my kids' own future in jeopardy? You know, it was a lot of weight. Um, And yet there was something inside me that felt like, you know what, you'll land on your feet, you'll figure it out. Um, You can always circle back, you know, and, and, you know, there was part of me that would see people that, you know, whether they got laid off or the company got bought or, you know, they just moved to a different job. And, and, you know, I didn't have, like I said before, I didn't have that push. And so this was all going to be me stepping off the cliff Mm -hmm. all by myself, you know, like Mm -hmm. no push. Making that choice. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So scary. But again, there was something inside me that was like, I think, you're going to get to a better place. Like, I think there is more out there and I think you're going to be okay. And if you're not, you can figure that out too. Was that, what do you call that voice? Well, I think it was faith for sure. You know, just faith that God has me and that my identity is bigger than this job. And I think it's also the gift of having a great husband and a support system that, you know, was like, look, this isn't working for you anymore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I want you to be happy and, and we'll figure it out. And yeah, I think just the faith that I knew 
my identity had become way too wrapped up in everything I was doing. And I love talking to clients, and I write about this in the book, of separating our career and the roles in our life from our identity. My mm-hmm. identity isn't exact isn't being an executive. My identity is an HGTV. My identity isn't being a mom or a wife. Those are very important roles and they're beautiful things and they're, you know, ways I can lean into my gifting. But my identity is something separate than that. And I think for me, mm-hmm. I had to walk away to figure that out and to ask those questions like, who am I at mid-career, midlife? And I've checked off all the boxes. And at midlife, you know, the only box that's left to check off seems to be retirement. And that's kind of, you know, an elusive thing nowadays, right? Mm, And so I was like, well, now that I've checked all the boxes, does this mean I create my own boxes moving forward from here? There's no roadmap. There's no roadmap at all. And I think for a lot of people, this is why midlife crisis hits, right? Because they're like, oh, there's no roadmap. Everybody keeps telling me it's downhill from here. I miss the good old days. And the best years of my life are behind me because I'll never be 20 again. And 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 so it starts this, you know, you are at a crossroads. Either you're going to go down the crossroad, one road that is pretty depressing, or you're going to say no and pivot and say, these can be the best years of my life. And mm-hmm. that's the road I wanted to figure out and design for myself. A lot of things going on because you're talking about ageism. Mm-hmm. Um, the best years are behind you. It's all decline and decay from yeah. here. <laughs> but also you talk about this um, really interesting social part, which is, you know, we're living longer. Mm-hmm. And many of us now are in our second, third, fourth, fifth careers. Mm-hmm. And that is all new. And nobody tells us about that, how to navigate that. Right, right. And it's it takes really pausing and looking around and saying, okay, if we have the ability to live longer, which we do, um, you know, the researchers are coming out saying that the baby that's going to live to 200 years old has already been born. And what does that mean for us? And, mm-hmm. you know, for the generations behind us. And I think it We're at this pivotal moment in history where we're not working till we're 62, getting the gold watch and retiring and then dying Mm. at 70. You know, if we can change our mindset and see that we have a long road ahead of us and embrace that, then we feel like we have time to do something else. We have time to learn something else. We have time to get a different degree, start a different company, Mm. volunteer in a different way. We don't feel like, well, I guess we don't have a lot of time, so I'll just start to wind down now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. research shows Mm -hmm. that people do that. If they believe they're going to die at 75, they start disconnecting from society 10 years earlier. Wow. So at 65, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, you start to think, well, you know, why make new friends or, you know, why start a new company or, you know, (laughs) what's the point? What's the point point here? Mm -hmm. I'm at the end. Right. Wow. These are such interesting um, concepts. Hi, everyone. You may have noticed that Zestful Aging Podcast does not run a lot of ads. 
That's because I'm just not willing to endorse products that I don't have total confidence in and that I don't use myself. So it really means something when I tell you that after I interviewed Dr. Bill Rawls on cellular health, read his books and learned about his high standards for quality control, I was sold. I placed an order for vital plant supplements immediately. I encourage you to check out both of my interviews with Dr. Bill Rawls and hop on over to vitalplan.com. If you enter Zestful 15, they will give you a 15% off of your first order. I'm really excited for you to try these products. I think you'll be very impressed. Now, back to the show. One of the things you talked about really interesting to me is the beauty of the blank page. Mm. Can you can you reflect on that? Yeah, I pulled a reference from seeing actually Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. We went to um, see him in New York City and it was a one man show and he talked about the um you know, stories behind his songs. And, and he talked a lot about his childhood. And he made this reference of, of life, you know, before you being a blank page. And when you're young, and you're in your 20s, you look and you think, here's the blank page, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write on that, I'm gonna write my story on that. And he kind of took it to a place where he's 72. And he was saying, you know, I, I kind of lament that I don't have that blank page anymore. Mm-hmm. And that struck me because I was like, well, can't we say we do? And so I kind of flipped it and said, you know what? I want to say at 52, where I stand now, that I do have plenty of blank pages ahead of me. Mm-hmm. And what are these next chapters going to be? And they can be just as fruitful even brighter, more exciting, because I know myself more, I, you know, have gained wisdom, I, you know, feel like I have something to give, I have a certain sense of confidence, I definitely did not have in my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. And so can we rest in that embrace that and, and really, you know, push away and push against, you know, society saying our days are done or put us out to pasture or anything like that. (laughs) You know, it's like we, um, we have so much to give, if we can figure out what that is, you know, like, I I love your um, tagline, discovering your sweet spot. What's Mm -hmm. your sweet spot? You know, Mm -hmm. how are you going to give that back to the world as we sort of build our legacy leaving Mm -hmm. future before us? That's, oh, it it just almost gives me chills, you know, to think about, hey, there are still pages left. What will you do with them? But, you know, I think it's worth noting that it's also scary to have a blank page. Mm. And, you know, my clients will say, you know, what now? I, I don't even know where to start. And sometimes we have to go back to what did you do as a kid? Were you crafty? Were you athletic? Mm-hmm. Were you sketching? Were you, you know, building stuff out of cardboard? Because I think many of us have lost our way, you know, our careers have kind of, as you say, you know, become your identity, and then maybe you forget all the other parts. 
but it can be very scary. And you talk about the need to be innovative mm. and flexible because it doesn't, you know, it's not like you wake up one day and say, hey, I have a bunch of blank pages. Let me start filling them in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right about the the question, the big question mark that kind of is is hanging over our heads after we sort of wake up from the pursuit of success is, is okay, well, you know, who am I? I think I lost myself in this a little bit. And, and what is it that I really love? And, and, you know, what is my unique gifting? And so for mm -hmm. me, it was very important to put those tools in the book, because mm -hmm. that's, you know, what I hear my clients say to me as well is, I know I'm restless. I know I want for more. I know I want to redesign my life at this mid-career, mid-life crossroads, but I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's super, Don't even know how to start. Yeah. Don't even know how to start. And it's super frustrating for people because we get all these messages, be your best self, live your best life. And people are like, okay, but they don't know how, you know? <laughs> They're like, what does that mean? What does yes. that mean, you know? And um, so I'm trying to meet people in that pain point. I'm trying to meet people where that, you know, question lies, like, okay, I, I buy into it, I want my best life, I want to be the best version of myself. Tell me how to get that. Tell me how to do that, how to figure that out. And so you're right, you got to start back at the beginning, you have to go, you have to go to your past and through your past and, and really analyze not just what you are, we're always drawn to and where your natural gifting lies, but also what was created in your childhood that's holding you back? What are those limiting beliefs? Mm -hmm. What are those labels? Mm -hmm. What are those kind of generational influences that have been passed down mm -hmm. that we're harboring that's holding us back? And if you can process through those things, embrace the good, wrestle through the negative, um, then you can start looking towards the future. Then you can start really answering those questions about who you are, what you're passionate about, and and what kind of future you want. But I, I feel like too many people, and I'm sure you see this all the time in your work, is too many people start with, okay, let me figure out tomorrow, and they don't go mm -hmm. backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, it occurs to me, Tracy, that taking someone through this process must be incredibly satisfying. Mm -hmm. It really is. It is just the highlight for me. And I I just so enjoy seeing people's faces light up when they make <laughs> a connection, when they see something um, mm -hmm. that they haven't seen before. And so many people who come to me and go through this life mapping process they're giving themselves this gift of taking a pause out of their life for two days and going through all the exercises and asking themselves the tough questions. And I love hearing people's stories. I mean, there has never been the same story twice. Mm -hmm. And I just am so fascinated by people. I'm so fascinated by where they've come from, what they've been through, what their views are on things. And to hear that and then lean in and and really help them answer these tough questions is very rewarding. I mean, it's exhausting because I'm I'm like, you know, for you know, 16 hours like completely zoned in, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And 
every client I've had has said, this has been life changing. This is exactly mm-hmm. what I've needed. And um, it's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful process to go through if people will just allow themselves the gift. And, and I think for women, that's what I've, I've seen the hardest thing for them to do is to invest in themselves and say, all right, I'm going to do this. It seems to have been much easier for my male clients. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll be, you know, I'll be there next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to encourage women to just to value themselves and and to to know that they deserve this just as much as anybody to answer these questions to figure this out to give themselves the gift of a a long and meaningful life ahead um but for some reason for us women it just tends to be a harder thing to invest in right right it also seems like working with someone for 2 days it would be a very intimate process. I mean, this is not an academic um, problem-solving kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's intimate. It's it's you have to be ready to like what I say, kind of drop that waterline and and go, you know, deep because I don't force anybody to. You know, you you can go as deep as you want or not as deep as you want, but you're going to get more if you just let the defenses down and like, let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like I create a safe space and a Mm -hmm. confidential space for people to do that. And I think, you know, when people become comfortable, they really are able to lean into the process and discover things about themselves. I mean, at this age, most of us will say, well, I, I know myself, but they're not able to really articulate, you know, the thing like what their talents are, what their passions are, mm. what their core values are, you know, can you articulate what your unique purpose is? And, and the words are elusive and hard. And so my job is to help connect the dots and help mm. you create mm. that, you know, um, and it all lies within us. It's just, it needs to be kind of pulled and massaged out, you know, so (laughs) gently, gently, you know, Mm -hmm. to to get there. And I think people have more confidence when they leave because Mm. they have their words now, they can speak who they are. And that's a new and exciting thing. So for for our listeners out there who uh, are saying, oh, boy, this is starting to sound familiar, what would you recommend for them as the first baby step um, on this journey of self-discovery in um, middle age? Well, I think the it's like the first step in anything is realizing it's happening, you know, mm. and to sit down and take be still. I I think it's so hard for us to be still. We have so much coming at us. And that's why we lose sight of ourselves. So I'd say the first step is take a pause, you know, get Mm -hmm. still with yourself, trust yourself that they're the voices you're hearing, the restlessness you're hearing. And for, for my clients, not everybody is making a career shift after they go through this process, some are falling back in love with the company they started, or some are falling back in love with the job that they have, um, or realizing, you know, what they've been doing is exactly where they should be, but they've just become disconnected. 
And then for others, they're realizing, you know what, it's time to finally take that leap of faith and it's time to make that change. And so the the reactions are all different, but they're all powerful if you meet it where it is. And, you know, I think, you know, for anybody who wants more questions on, on a more elaborate process with me, you know, they can go to my website. But reading my book, I, I feel like I wanted to write a book that would give people the tools and would give them enough to start this process for themselves. I'm only one person, right? I can't reach it every human, but I just felt like my book could be a gift to like, just help people process through this as many people mm-hmm. as possible, you know, take it, use it and, and let that be your springboard to really going deep in 2023. I, I feel like um, that would make me so happy if if it just touched mm-hmm. one person, if just one person mm-hmm. was like, yay, this helped me answer my questions. And I feel like I'm in a better place Then it will have all been for the good and I will be right. satisfied, you know? Well, it is so transformative. I mean, I can just imagine um, how this is life changing mm. and uh, you sound very passionate and excited <laughs> about it and that's a great place Aww. to be. Uh, Tracy, where can people find out more about you and your work and the book? You can find everything out on tracyshubertbarrett.com. Um, you can also mm-hmm. follow me on Instagram at Tracy S. Barrett. And the book is okay. out on January 24th. The book will be out and ah. you can buy it everywhere you buy books. So, okay. And I highly recommend it. It's, you have this beautiful mix of sort of the emotional piece, but also here's some steps. Hmm. And I think that's really helpful. You know, it's it's one thing to understand why, but it's another thing to say, now what do I do? Mm. Yes, yes, so, thank you. Um, so wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the 
declutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.